Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Football Outsiders Draft live stream presented by Underdog Fantasy. We're coming to you live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, the uh, president of the Desmond Ritter Fan Club, Derek Klassen. How you doing? Doing pretty good. I am a very new uh, member of the Desmond Ritter Fan Club, but yes, if I can jump all the way up to president, I'll take it. Right, right. He showed up just when the vote happened, and he became president <laughs> of the Desmond Ritter Fan Club. And our special guest this week is Chad Ryder, who is a NFL analyst and researcher, draft analyst and researcher for NFL Media. Chad, I've been pronouncing your name wrong for 12 years. Well, I'm sure I have also been uh, pronouncing your name wrong, Mike Tanner, Tanier, however how you say it. No one knows. It's one of <laughs> life's great mysteries. No one knows how my name is pronounced, including me. So, uh, but thank you for coming on board. We are, of course, in the midst of free agency frenzy here, uh, and, and yet we're talking about draft. So as we speak, who knows what could happen? Last week, Derek, when we were online, the Russell Wilson trade happened. This week, the Deshaun Watson trade might happen while we're on board. So, folks, if you are listening, and please join us and comment in the chat and be part of the show if you're watching live. That's the advantage of watching live as opposed to listening to us, uh, you know, later recorded. If you come on and tell us the Deshaun Watson trade happened, please say Deshaun Watson. Do not say Deshaun Williams or, or <laughs> Crick and Watson or whatever. Last week, thank you to the person who came on and told us that Russell Westbrook got traded. I know how autocorrect works. Appreciate the assist, but help, help us help you provide great content by giving us uh, good information. And just a reminder that the Football Outsiders, all Football Outsiders draft coverage is presented by Underdog Fantasy. And you can use the promo code FO40, that's FO40, at Underdog to double your deposit up to $100. And keep your eyes peeled for new best ball tournaments that include 2022 rookies, their new Superflex games, and you can deploy your knowledge from mine and Dark Classens and Chad Ryder's NFL Draft Research and Analysis. Links to Underdog Fantasy can be found in the description of this video below. Go play with us on Underdog today. And... Uh, Again, we are talking draft here, but we're going to talk a little free agency. And I kind of put you guys on the spot. Uh, and I asked everybody to bring some writing materials with them. And I hope everybody uh, knows. Get your number two pencils out. Because we're going to do yeah, a little... former teacher. Yes. Former teacher. <laughs> As I was saying before, it's standardized testing season in addition to yes. March Madness season and free agency season. So what I'm going to ask everyone to do, I want to put everybody on the spot. Nobody knows we're doing this. I want you to write your team that has been the biggest winner and your team that's been the biggest loser in free agency, et cetera, up until 11.55 p.m. Uh, or 12.55 p.m. today. So write down, okay. top of your head, biggest winner, biggest loser, and we'll all hold them up at the same time. Okay. okay. I'm going to do okay. it as well. Let me see. Uh, hmm. Hmm. I know what I want for loser. I, I don't know what I'm going to do for – I might write two losers, truthfully. <laughs> Okay, let's see here. Uh... So I would do the Jeopardy theme, but that's probably a rights issue. I, I, I would imagine. I would imagine. So um, I, I will hum, um, hey, Jude, instead. There's no way that would get you in any trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Joey sucks. Ask why we're doing this. Mike, how dare you remind me of the AP tests? The AP tests are in May, Joey. These are the state standardized tests in New Jersey, which means the world. Okay. And so I don't mean to re remind you of those either. And Todd Singer asks, does the NFL hand out an award for most cap space? And will the Colts win that award again? Todd, clearly you've been in Lucas Oil Stadium. And when you look up, you will see the banners of all the times that the Colts won the cap space award is up there with their times they they finished second in the afc south etc cetera, etc cetera. okay we ready guys I think um so. okay chad is still maybe playing. all right okay you win a cap space award todd when you when you're playing with carson wins okay three two one hold them up I am surprised that we went in three different directions. I was expecting yeah. different groups here. So I'm going to start with Chad. You're our guest. The winner yes. was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the loser was the Cowboys? Dallas. Okay. Well, okay. Briefly. Yeah. This is – this is the, the, the Dallas part is just immediately what happened like half an hour ago with Randy Gregory. Uh, you know, they, they decided that they wanted to put in the extra language to – 
you know, and I can't really blame them for that. But the fact is, is that when you when you have a guy that you know is going to be liked by other teams, you, if you want him, then you can't you can't do it. Uh, and he's done. You know, I, I think he's getting he's becoming more mature and things like that. And I, so I think losing out on him because of that is probably not not great. Um, and then my winner was Tampa Bay because I'm counting Tom Brady returning in this because yeah. that's the whole changer, the game changer, not only for the Buccaneers, but also in the NFC. So uh, I, I have to I have to say that that the Bucs are, are winners because of that. Right. And just going back to negotiating with Gregory to put language in, it's the type of thing you I can see the point of negotiating it. Yeah. Negotiating the contract. And they, oh, and by the way, surprise, after we've gone to, to press. Yes. Yes, that's a problem. Yes, that is a problem. D- Derek, what were your winners and losers again? Uh, my winner was actually Denver, um, which I am also kind of looping in the, the Russell Wilson trade as like kind of part of yeah. free agency. Um, yeah. Then I think even just the guys they signed made a lot of sense. I mean, we were just talking about Gregory, who stole Randy Gregory from Dallas, Denver, which I think yeah. is a really good signing for them. And then they also signed DJ Jones, defensive tackle from San Francisco, really really good you know run stuffing piece in the middle that i think that front very desperately needed so mm-hmm. they're putting together some pretty good pieces and that's a good point because they dj jones that's a good example they brought in russell wilson and yet they're still adding and that's the type of thing yes. i didn't necessarily yeah. think they'd be able to do this this offseason right and you Which, you lose shelby harris and then they had to replace yeah. shelby harris up front so getting jones was a big deal you don't see a lot of six foot tall five techniques but i think he he's got the <laughs> skills to do that um if they decide to play him there rather than a nose tackle uh and uh you know the it was it was a great deal for for them to to make that switch and get their quarterback yes and who was your loser dark I had I had I had two. I had the Jags, which is like a pretty obvious one. They they yeah. overspent for basically everybody, and that was a disaster. <laughs> um, but my other one was the Colts, who just got mentioned in in our our class. And like the problem is they haven't done anything. The only thing they've done is sign Mo Ali Cox, which like they probably should have retained him. They're going to need one with Jack Doyle yeah. retiring. But like yeah. they have too much money to like. It, like it sucks that a lot of teams, you know, this is the time to overpay guys and stuff. But like after a certain point, if you're not overpaying anybody, you just right. aren't going to have a team that's good enough. And right. that's kind of the the spot that the Colts are are in again. Right. Indianapolis is not Indianapolis is not a free haven free agent uh, haven. You know, it's not it's not California. You you have sales tax, so you're not Florida. You have to, and this is the same thing that. Uh, here in Wisconsin, we deal with with Green Bay. You have to pay a premium for some of these guys, and it will, it, you know, it will, it will mean you overpay some guys. But eventually, you have to do that. Uh, hopefully, they're. I don't know if they're going to try to get Jimmy G on a contract, and they're waiting to, you know, see it and spend their money on that or w- what the deal is. But um, eventually, you do have to pay guys. Right, and this was a team that, as of December, as of three and a half months ago, it's like, oh, they are a playoff team. Yeah. And they're a team that thought they had forward momentum. And now they're it, it's like they, there's no direction. There's no direction to the, to the franchise at all. Right. Maybe Philip Rivers will come back after a year coaching. Maybe maybe they're waiting to see if he can give him 25 mil or something. Yeah, Tom Tom, Tom Brady, you know, he, he came back. Philip Rivers can come back. Andrew right. Luck can come back. Anybody could come back. Um, now, now, Derek, you mentioned the Jaguars. They were my big loser. I think we covered it. Joey sucks to say. My favorite thing about the Jags is it feels like the same thing they do every few years. They come in the offseason, like eighth in total cap space, seventh in dead money charges. Then they spend a bunch of the, the cap space. And then two years later, they're eating the dead money charges. And in between, they got a tight end, you know, who wasn't very good in the first place. So, somebody on the internet was pointing out some of the guys like Julius Thomas. Yeah. Uh, years ago. Remember that maneuver? Yeah. And, 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 and this definitely feels like that this year. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny. We're we're asking for it both ways, right? We want the Colts to spend more money, and we want the Jags to spend less money. I mean, <laughs> it's a hard, it's a hard, uh, you know, in between to kind of find, and 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 you really appreciate teams like Buffalo that are doing everything. And that was the other team I was going to go with if it wasn't for you know Tom Brady. Uh, but but really, like you appreciate what Buffalo's getting guys that are probably bargains and to fill in the roster and then they they're filling their depth and then they draft correctly and all that. So that's like team building right there, picking up pieces and, uh, and uh, you know, making it all work. Right. I think the funniest thing about the Jags is just that each successive signing just seemed worse. Like when they signed, sure feels like 
yeah, you know, you got to build around Lawrence, maybe a little bit of money, but like, okay, you get it. Christian Kirk, it was like, that's definitely too much money, but they needed a guy. Okay, whatever. And it was like Evan Ingram, you're like, okay, that doesn't make sense. Zay Jones, that's too much money. <laughs> like, yeah. it just kept getting worse. Boya <laughs> right. Oluku, like, he got like double what he should have got. But it's just, just bizarre, I think. And they cut Miles Jack, so they kind of make a lateral right. move that's expensive. Let's yeah. call it a lateral move that's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And Evan Ingram's a one-year contract. So, so say it's like, you know what? We solved Evan Ingram's problems here. He just goes to free agency again. It's pretty much what the Panthers just did with Hassan Reddick. Yeah. Like, oh, we yes. rented him for one year. Why? Well, Why? Mike, who are your guys? That's what I want to know. I forgot. Well, my winner, my who are your teams? Oh, my winner, my loser was the Jaguars. The winner was the Chargers. Chargers. I'm very yeah. impressed going back to the Khalil Mack trade. And bringing right. in J.C. Jackson and Sheldon Richardson Day. And yet when we talk about spending money versus saving money, et cetera, the Chargers, like the Colts, are the team that has built. And, and Jim says so in the uh, in the chat. You have to buy the Jack Terrors before you can rearrange them. You have to build something before you can then add to it in this yeah. particular case. And the Chargers did that. And I think one of the things that I came into this um, came into this period with is Chargers got to fix their run defense. Well, they made their pass defense much, much, much better. And they did fix their run defense a little bit. So they went the opposite approach. It's like, you will not be able to pass against us. You will get sacked. We will shut down your, your secondary. Go ahead. Yeah. Run. Run up the middle. Third and nine to a Joe Judge and, and do a quarterback <laughs> sneak against us. You're not going to beat us. And I kind of – I'm surprised by that uh, that philosophy, but yet it works. It seems like it's going to work. And it'll and be it even better started. now when you have pass rush. Sorry, like, all they had was Bosa. Right now that now that it's not just Bosa, you can actually get some pass rush because like Uchenna Nuosu last year was one of those guys where in 2020 it was like wow he's an awesome number three. 2021 it's like wow he should not be starting. <laughs> right. Every everybody in their life gets to a certain job where they're no longer qualified for it. That's that's one of the rules of life. Yep. And and that and that happens in football too, right? Where you you get a guy that should have been a, a, a number three guy and becomes number two, and you know. It is what it is, but but uh, yeah, now that they've got the two guys off the edge, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And it all started when they didn't listen to all the people who said Justin Herbert wasn't any good, and yeah. they picked him, and they surrounded him. And they, by the way, they also had excellent receivers around him that could make plays for him. So for all the teams that are like saying these quarterbacks are no good this year, please, and and you know you have you have opposite, you have sometimes where a guy doesn't turn out too, and that happens, but you know. If you like a quarterback, take them. That's the end of the story. That's the moral of the story. And I think that's going to be the moral of our segment coming up in two segments. Yeah. Uh, when we talk, we get to talk a little bit about the Seahawks. But everybody gets promoted to a job they're not qualified for. I feel a little attacked by that as the host yeah. of the stream. Um, I'm self-attacking <laughs> also. So, you know. <laughs> um, let's move on now because Lord knows all this landscape will change by the time of this end, the end of the show. Let's move on to a segment. We call PVP, not player versus player, but prospect versus prospect. And this week we're talking about running backs in the NFL draft. And we're talking about two guys, one of whom Derek uh, wrote about at Football Outsiders in his film room, Brees Hall of Iowa State versus Kenneth Walker III of Michigan State. And we're going to pick our favorites here. And I'm going to – I'll start with you, Derek. We'll turn it over to you because you wrote about Brees Hall this week. Who's your favorite? Why? Give us the breakdowns. I think I actually like Walker a little bit more. Um, funny enough, I think both of their biggest issues is they just can't pass protect. Like neither of them can do it very well. Um, and then I think stylistically as runners, they're just a lot different. But I think Walker brings, I think, a little bit more explosiveness. Um, I think Hall is like a very fluid runner. He's a very smart runner. But I think Walker is like pretty close to him in terms of vision and understanding like how to tempo runs and all that stuff. And then I think he just simply has more juice. So I think like, Hall might have like a slightly higher floor because I do think he's a little more comfortable catching the ball out of the backfield. But I think Walker's explosive potential is just a little bit better. And if, you know, if they're that close as prospects, I'll kind of take the upside in that scenario. Yeah, um, you know, I think Brees Hall is probably this is close for me as well. I I think Brees is just a a hair better. Um, And I think it's because of the way he can make plays out of the backfield. Uh, you see him make some fantastic catches to me. He's not exactly like Jonathan Taylor, but I think he's could be a similar player in that, uh, you know, maybe he doesn't have the most, uh, he doesn't, maybe he doesn't have as much initial speed 
as Taylor, but I think in terms of breakaway speed, he's definitely got that. He's got the ability to spin off tackles and stuff in the open field, which is fantastic. Um, you know, he sees, I think he sees the field just fine. I don't think he's the loosest runner. I think he's a little tight, but again, if you're running a gap scheme, if you, if you run it and you get, give him a hole, he's going to hit it. He's going to hit it hard. He can make people miss a little bit. Now, Kenneth Walker, you know, all he did was be awesome this year. So I, there's nothing against Kenneth Walker here. He reminds me a lot of J.K. Dobbins, um, and mm-hmm. who's really could have like been a fantastic a back this year if uh, you know if he didn't get injured. So uh, I think he's got the the low center of gravity. Um, but yeah, he, it's kind of funny. He's sort of a strider, but he's a low center. It's, it's an interesting running style. But again, he, he's got that he's got that speed uh, which you really like, and he sees a lot uh, in the field in the open field. So I like him a lot too. But I think. He's just going to be a little bit less uh, th- than Hall, and I think we were going to talk about whether one of these guys is a first round pick, right? That's kind of where we're going with this. Yeah, and and I think the easy answer is no, because you don't see the pass protection, which is you know something that they typically would look for in that first round pick, right? Right. But this sort of reminds me, like Hall, sort of reminds me of like Rashad Penny. Um, Sony Michelle, these guys that mm. we didn't really think were going to be first round picks. And then somebody ends up trading up for them. Mark Ingram is another a perfect example of another one of these backs that, okay, he's big, he's fast. Yeah, he can't really pass protect, but we'll work on that. We'll send him out into the flat. And that's how he'll pass protect, right? That's his, right. his best pass protection is being out in the flat. Um, he reminds me of one of these guys that goes a little bit higher than we think. So I'm not going to say he's definitely no first rounders, but it would take a trade up. I like Atlanta or Houston, okay. somebody like that late in the first round that really want this, you know, running back. I think it's going to make a difference in their offense. I'm just picturing the Falcons trading up for a running back in the draft. Right. Right it um, would go nuclear. It would, can, it would. With the system, you can kind of say like, oh, I want my Derrick Henry, but right. neither of these guys is, I guess Walker has some of that. I can turn a, a five-yard run into a fifty-yard run just. Well, by Hall has so that too. I mean, I, that's why I think mm-hmm. he's the more likely of the two. To, no, I'm saying I'm not saying they should do that. Right. But if we're looking for things that might happen, either early, they may not go into the first round, but they may trade up early in the second round if they really want one of these two guys. What do you think, Derek? Is there a first rounder in this uh, batch? I- I think I'm kind of with Chad where like it probably shouldn't happen. I think these guys are closer to like, you know, the the 40 to 50 range in terms of where you want to pick yeah. them. But I think Chad's absolutely right. It, if somebody is getting antsy heading into day two, it's pick 29. Somebody wants to trade up. Right. I feel like it could totally happen. Right. Yeah. Cause I look at the bottom of the draft and, and just before we came on the bills uh, went out and they grabbed a running back. So that's a team that we normally look at and say, Oh man, we, we always like mock drafting to the bills that, that, that they're going to take a running yeah. back. It's slipping my mind at this moment because it was like 10 minutes before we came on. But they uh, J.D. McKissick? J.D. McKissick, good yeah. all-purpose player, good guy for a committee there. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So that takes them out. I, I just can't – I'm just imagining this team <laughs> trading up for either of these guys. Is, no. Is there a number three? I mean, there's a number three back. Is there some a third back that belongs in this conversation? Uh, to me, I think James Cook will be a late second round. He, he's the one guy that I think would be a late second round pick, but I think that's very specific to like Kansas City. Uh, somebody mm-hmm. that really wants speed, wants more of a receiver, running back kind of thing. So other than that, I think really the, the depth is going to be in rounds three and four um, this year. And there'll be some really good, there's some really good players, but I, I think really it's Walker and Hall in the second round, late first, and then maybe Cook. I could just see him going to the Chiefs, uh, you know, real late in the second. I think I agree. Like Hall and Walker feel like the only like complete runners. You know, we mentioned like some of their their pass protection stuff is not there, but like they have enough in their, you know, running back toolkit that yes. they can do everything as a running back. A lot of the other guys, you know, like you said, they're good third, fourth round players, but they're kind of pigeonholed into certain things. You know, Ty Algier is not going to be fast enough to be like a legit, legit back. You know, James Cook is kind of more like a only pass catcher kind of guy. So I think you're absolutely right. Like probably nobody else is in this tier with these guys. Well, you know, it's interesting. Cook could be like a Jamar, Jamal Charles. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, he was a little bit underrated coming out of Texas in terms of his ability as a runner mm-hmm. and not just like an all-purpose athlete kind of guy. So I think, again, I, I just make the connection with the Chiefs there and, uh, right. and, and, and Cook. But, um, but, you know, again, Algier and Jerome Ford, and there's there's going to be a ton of guys in the third and fourth round that are going to be solid backs. There's lots mm-hmm. of little third downy guys. 
Yeah. Lots of really good little third downy guys. And then there are some like second tier. He joins the committee all purpose guys. I'm going to throw the draft King odds at you guys real night for the first running back selected. Nobody's putting odds on a running back going in the first round, which probably tells us something. Yeah. Um, First back selected right now at DraftKings, Brees Hall at minus 200. Kenneth Walker, the third at plus 175. And then Isaiah Spiller at plus 650. So that's a big drop. And then it gets goofy after that. So Hall at minus 200 and Kenneth Walker at plus 175. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that kind of sounds about right. Cause like all the stuff that Chad says, like, you know, I mean, athletically, they're both really good, but like Hall is just bigger and like he kind of has more of the pass catching elements. So it makes sense that he's probably going to be the first one off the board. Yeah, typically the smaller guy is not going to be the first round pick unless you're, you know, the Clyde Edwards Hilaire and that hasn't really turned out that great. Um, You know, typically that late first round, early second would be the little bit bigger back. Um, And, and, you know, like, can you imagine like 15 years ago, a guy like a 5'11 back with 4'4 speed? He'd be like, he'd be a top 10 pick. He'd be a top 10 pick. And and we're not even in near that conversation. Two big 10 featured backs here. And like, we're old enough to remember. Yeah, that's the middle of the first round. They're both gone. Right, right. 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 That's what that's what the NFL coveted. And now we're talking yeah, early second round. Maybe maybe I'll put plus one seventy five on on uh you know Kenneth Walker being able to get out there and, and get drafted first. Yeah, and I wouldn't take Isaiah Spiller till at least the mid third round, probably maybe not the fourth round. So he, I, I think uh, I agree on that too. Yeah, I, I think that's um that's going off name more than more than anything else. And in day three, I just rake on some of these these Younger guys, some of the guys who really blew up at the senior ball, like so many five foot ten, two hundred pound speedsters. Yeah, um, Beatty from Missouri and some of these other guys, and just like grab them. Well, that's the thing. I mean, people think that. Well, some people just think that running backs don't matter, but I think right. the point is that, that there are so many talented backs that want the ball. That's why their price goes down in terms of when they get drafted more than their talent level. Yes. Uh, and I, so I mean that's why we see so many third, fourth, fifth round guys really make it, you know, it's because there's so much talent at that position. And, you know, with the injury history and all that stuff as well, um, you know, there's just a lot of talent and there's no reason to use a first round pick on a guy like that. Right. It's not that they're no good. It's that there are too many of them are good and you can just. <laughs> right. Them. And they get injured, which is, you know, part of the, part of the deal, but it's, it's both. Right. Now we're probably going to be talking about James Cook more in a moment or two, uh, but there are a couple questions from the group here. Todd Singer asked, will wide receiver David Bell's poor combine performance significantly affect where he gets drafted? He has sort of fallen out of the names of the big guys in the last week or so. And uh, yeah, my inclination is, yes, he is slipping a little bit. Yeah, um, I think he was a guy I figured would be a late second round pick because you saw on tape he wasn't the most athletic guy. But to me, like he's James Jones. He's a guy that's going to be a really good number two receiver for a long time in the NFL. And honestly, you know, last year without a combine, we had all these pro day numbers. And Amon Ross St. Brown may have run very similar 40 to uh, David Bell. And I think he's going to end up being a similar player. So if he falls into the fourth round because teams aren't paying attention to how good of a player he is, then somebody's going to get a really, really good bargain. But I think he should go round three. But it, it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up at round four at this point. Right. I think I think that's the thing is like you watch him and his his game was never dependent on athleticism really. Yeah. He was more of a just smart, tough guy, um, willing to throw blocks. He had very strong hands, all that jazz. So like the fact that he's not an athlete, like yeah, it was, he tested pretty bad, but it was never dependent on him. Like that wasn't his meal ticket to to being as good as he is. So I think you know if, if he's still there in the third round, you just take him anyway, even if he yeah. tested like that. Right. If we're talking about late third, early fourth, we are talking about a slip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, yeah. yeah, a slip, but not, you know, anybody who watched him knew he wasn't going to run. I, I, you know, before the combine, I said, this is a guy that could make a lot of money if he proves people wrong, but he didn't. He, he mm-hmm. confirmed what everybody saw. So he's, that's, that's what he's going to end up being. And he's still a heck of a football player. I'd take him. Yeah. Awesome. Another question from the group, Jim Stutschulte. Could a team look at trading up into the late first for a running back in part because the extra year on the rookie contract could mean not extending the player's contract as their usefulness lowers. I get the impression that this impacted some of the Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. 
type selection. I think J.K. Uh, uh, Dobbins. I almost said J.K. Wrong. J.K. Dobbins was uh, was later in the first round. It was in the second round, late second round. Yeah, oh, he was late second. Excuse me. That's right. I, that's right. I think that's part of the equation at the end because, especially because that fifth year option is not Saquon Barkley expensive. Right. When you're picking late in the first, so you get a little bit more control. Maybe you get the one more year of usefulness out of the guy, and then you can just you know get draft the next guy. Yeah, I, that's a valid point, um, and, and it will be interesting to see if somebody makes that. And you know, like you know, Kansas City, Green Bay, Detroit for sure. These these teams are going to be looking to get out at the end of the first round as well. So they'll be willing to, you know, for a third, like a fourth round pick, probably move down a few spots into the second, and um, you know, not want to pay that first round premium for a second round guy. So it could happen, right? To me, it's honestly a little bit less about like the the contract stuff and more just I feel like teams that are trading into the back end of the first round for a, a running back are just in like win now mode and they want to make yeah. sure they get their guy. You know, the Patriots have done it um, when the Chiefs were doing it. They were like, you know, we're already great. Like we can trade a little bit of whatever to just get this guy. I don't think they were thinking that much about his you know contract five years down the line. They just wanted as many guys they thought were good players to play with Mahomes right now. I think that's really all it comes down to. Right. And. We we didn't see a lot from Clyde Edwards Hilaire so far. We haven't we didn't see much from Sony. Yeah. Sony does what Sony does, and, and he was like a helpful player on that. But I feel like you know a fifth round pick could have been that helpful player for the Patriots. Doesn't look like necessarily the best strategy moving forward. For well, them. and that's exactly what the Saints thought when they went up and got Mark Ingram, gave up a future first round pick, right? But right. I, I'm not coming up with a whole lot of examples in my mind where the running back was the difference between a team making it not making it. Um, right. Certainly, no different than like. Aaron Jones with the Packers and some of these later picks becoming that guy that could really help the offense. Um, but, you know, what you're saying is right, Derek, in terms of a lot of teams are, are, are still thinking we're one player away. We're one player away. Let's go yeah. get that one player. And that, and that rarely turns out to be the case unless you're talking about, of course, Tom Brady or like the, you know, unicorns, but, but yeah. other than that, it, it doesn't typically, um, you know, pay, the, the difference between num- running back number one and running back number two is usually not that great uh, in, in the grand scheme of things. So trading up to get them, you just end up giving up some draft tra- tra- capital in the, in the process. Awesome. Now on to our next segment. Of course, we know this time of year, everybody is looking to college athletics. Everybody is looking on campus. And the reason why everybody is looking on campus this week is because of pro days. That's the main thing that's happening in college athletics this week is pro days. And look at them all. What a beautiful graphic. Thank you, uh, gentlemen. That's over fantastic. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Um, right. So this is not a bracket. This is a pro day uh, thing here. And the question I put forth to you guys, and uh, Chad, I'm going to start with you since we already think got a little preview of this. Yeah. Which pro day are you most interested in moving forward from today, this week? Well, typically, you know, a place like Georgia, you've seen all these guys at the combine already. So, you know, there's not a lot of secrets coming into the pro day, right? Mm -hmm. Well, this year, only one guy did the short shuttles and the three cones from the 14 people that were at Georgia. And that was Trevon Walker. Of course, he was excellent. And, you know, he he looked fantastic. But so many guys didn't do these other drills. And a lot of them ran the 40, not all of them, but a lot of them. But, you know, the 40 is one thing. I want to see the short area agility of Lewis seeing the safety. I want to see, you know, um, you know, uh, Devontae Wyatt, how he does, Quay Walker. A lot of these guys that are really fantastic players, I want to see some of the results um, from, from that and not just a 40-yard dash. So that's kind of what I'm looking for at the Georgia Pro Day. It's practically combined to electric boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Championship boogaloo, uh, so to speak here, because there were so many Georgia players. I'll tell you something on the interview floor. The Georgia media was just swarming them every time. And every question was about the championship season, which I I get that. But some of the, so, you know, can we talk about the NFL? This is the combine. And they were looking back at that. But but, you know, uh, the guys who ran ran well. But you, you mentioned somebody, uh, Louis, uh, Louis, Seen. Louis, Seen. he ran well. And yeah. I think he's jumped up in a lot of our perceptions. Uh, he, he's now in the FO40, for example, based on that. But uh, I have a hard time uh, evaluating a safety on a defense like Georgia because, you know, he's back deep, the ball snapped, and everyone's dead. And he's just – Well, with Seen, though, with Seen, he was a guy that was often used in coverage. And he would yeah. cover not just like the big, you know, oaf tight end. 
he's on receivers. So, so he did a lot of that kind of stuff. So that's why he's been a, like a top 50 pick for me for most of the year. But um, on the on-field workout, um, I didn't always see the kind of short area movement that I would have expected in a guy that takes that kind of coverage. So again, I just want to see in those kind of tasks, how he does. And if there's a red flag there, or if I, you know, just, you know, I saw one workout at the combine, whether that doesn't mean anything or not. So that's why I like, even on a guy like that, who's really talented, I, w- I want to see these other tests and, and see how it works. And Quay Walker was another guy who was in coverage a lot. Yeah. As a line. Nicobe Dean. I, yeah. I got to talk about Nicobe Dean because he didn't do anything at the combine. That's right. And this is a guy that, that needs to work out really well to be uh, a first round pick. Right. And watching his tape, you wouldn't think that. But he's a guy that is not very tall. He's not very big. Mm-hmm. And teams aren't sure of how purely athletic he is. Now, if you watch him on the field, he attacks plays and he's always around the ball. So he's a heck of a player. It's not about that. Right. It's just like, does he have the athlete athleticism to be like a top 20 pick? Um, you know, Nick Bolton from Missouri dropped out of the, he tested fine. He dropped all the way down to the bottom of the second round. The chiefs got a bargain with that guy. Cause he's 5'11, 230 pounds. So mm-hmm. Nicobe Dean needs a really good workout to prove to people that he's, he's as athletic as he is a good football player and that'll maximize his draft stock. He's going to be a good NFL player regardless, but you know, to, to, this is what we're talking about here to try to make as much money up front as you can. <laughs> One other guy, George Pickens, he did run at the combine. Do you know, is he doing a full workout at the pro day? Are we going to Yeah, see I'm him? not sure how, how he's uh, coming back from the injury. If he's going to do everything, my guess is that he's going to do everything. A lot of the people didn't do three cones and short shells just because of the, the way that the combine was formatted this year with all this stuff on one day. So I don't think it was a matter of injury with him. I'm, I'm expecting to see everything, but I haven't heard anything officially. Excellent. Let's move over to you, Derek. And of all of these pro days, which one did you select? I picked Texas A&M. Uh, you know, I do some stuff over at um, Bleacher Report, and I have all the front seven guys, and it feels like half of the front seven guys in this class are from Texas A&M. <laughs> um, and so I picked them for a couple reasons. Um, one, DeMarvin Leal did not test very well at the combine. He, he ran very poorly, and a lot of his other drills were not that great. Um, and he was a guy who – his tape is not that good and he's very dependent on being like this athlete who like you can figure it out with him. So then when he doesn't test very well, that's pretty concerning. So I think he needs to have a really big day. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they have a handful of other guys that just didn't do anything at the combine, like um, Tyree Johnson and Michael Clemens, two defensive ends Um, guys that are like, you know, very end of day two, early day three types. Um, They just didn't test. Um, I I think one of them did like a jump and that was it, but I would like to see how they, how they go. You know, Tyree Johnson in particular, he's like very much a speed bend guy. So really want to see him run and do like the three cone and stuff like that. Um, And then another one, Jaden Peavy, their defensive tackle um, did not, did not test very well at the combine. So hopefully he can bump those numbers up a little bit. And this is just a bad post combine time to be a front seven guy, particularly an edge and not to have gone out and performed lights out because there's so yeah. much competition and so many players yeah. blew it up at the combine. Yeah. And Leo, like you said, Derek, his, his tape was not great. Uh, I put him in the third round of my first mock draft and I got some blowback from that. I'm like, you know, this is, we have these guys every year that test like that, that play that don't play to their potential, but some of them, like Calais Campbell, for example, I mean, some of these guys turn out to be pretty good players down the line. So mm-hmm. he's worth a he's worth a shot at some point, you know, on day two, probably. But you're right. He could use a better outing um, this week and, and maybe that'll help his cause a little bit. Yeah. And before I do mine, none of us picked Michigan. It's just because we're fine. We're good. We saw yeah, we're good. I I saw what I needed to see from Hutchinson. I, I'm right. still a little bit lower on him than other people because I don't think he bends very well on tape. But when you run a six, whatever, three cone, it's like, OK, well, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. sad. <laughs> it's so hard to tell with some of these guys because they're not asked to do certain things that mm-hmm. they probably can do. And Hutchinson's one of these guys that just took on his tackle, was looking, you know, he, he didn't, he was very patient against the run. So he wasn't always just trying to bend the corner and get the quarterback. But when you saw hit, he needed to get to the quarterback. He got there. So in a job, we know what he yeah. is. Daxon yep. Hill, we know what he is. Yeah. So I just, I think, you know, we're good. They've got good players and um, you know. Right. So 
Michigan fans, we are not snubbing you. You guys did all you needed to do. We are so impressed that we don't need to see any more. I'm guessing Hutchinson's just going to walk around in a compression tee. I don't think they're going to ask him to yeah, do that. Yeah, I would think. Uh, anyway, so I ch- I picked Minnesota. And, of course, there are two guys I look at. One I'm standing for a little bit, and that's edge rusher Boye Mafe. Impressive at the senior bowl. Um, you know, some of the things that we've been hearing about how he's going to test, he didn't do very much at the combine expected to test lights out and a guy who high energy player looks like he can sneak into that conversation, you know, into the second or third tier of edge rushers below the Thibodeau and, and, and uh, Hutchinson line, obviously, but somebody who can make a name for himself there. And I really want to see his workout numbers. Yeah. Um, other guy I'm looking at, of course, we're all looking at is the big guy and I got to get his name, right. Daniel. Fa'alele. Very good. Very good. Fa'alele. I looked it up before I came on here. That is the, <laughs> mammoth offensive tackle from Minnesota. I believe he came in at 384 pounds at the scouting combine, largest combine weight of the last 20 years. And I've got him somewhere between a high second round pick and completely undraftable. Yeah. And I'm guessing it's it's just a matter of the team, right? Like Tennessee, if they, if they liked Isaiah Wilson, they probably like Fa'alele, but they're not going to take him at the end of the first round. It'd be more like a late second round, whatever. Um, you know, no matter how he tests, he he probably will put up Orlando Brown type numbers uh, in in some respects. But I don't think it really matters. I think I think at one at some level, right tackle um, is there to 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 take up space. And most quarterbacks in the NFL get rid of the ball quickly enough that you're not going to have to worry about second, third moves and stuff like that. So I think most teams are okay giving this guy a shot. They're again, they're not going to use a first round pick on him. But I think they say he's just massive. He's got enough strength to overwhelm a lot of, um, of smaller defensive ends. And honestly, like the better defensive ends in the NFL that line up on that side, most rookie tackles aren't going to win against them anyway. So um, I, I think they'll be fine. And even if he doesn't test that great, somebody will probably still take him in the third round just, just because of the pure size. Right. And by the way, he takes up space. When you watch Minnesota film, it looks like there's like this much space and it's like two guys worth of space, and, and that's yeah. uh, Daniel Fatalele. Uh, my concern, I, I, I loaded up the combine, the heaviest players at the combine, and the name that came up right b- below him was Mike Williams. Remember that, Mike Williams? From the yeah, yeah. And I kind of got the shakes a little bit. And some other names like Stockcar McDougal were on that list. Right. And it was a very much a list of guys who could not maintain conditioning and health at the NFL level. Leonard Davis was on it. Yeah. Uh, longtime Cowboys and Cardinals guard, and I would think that's kind of like the ceiling. I want to see him come in and make sure we're still at 384 pounds that we're not suddenly getting numbers like 391 showing up two weeks after the combine and things like that, because that's. Well, you've got guys like Max Starks who had a long career, you know, he was never like, so if you don't like Stocker McDougal was like 16th overall and, you know, Leonard, these, these uh, Mike Williams was like fifth or something like that. You know, that we're, it's a different time. Um, and, and I think he, as a, again, third round pick guy that can pick a little bit later, work him at right tackle. I, some people want to kick him into guard. I don't think he's got that flexibility. I don't, I don't like him out there. I think he's really a tackle. Um, but you know, if you get him at the right price, he could turn out to be something for you. And I love Mafe, by the way, I've loved him all year. I'm, it's great. I hope he tests off. He could be like this year's, uh, Dafe Owe that goes late in the first round mm-hmm. and, you know, out of the big 10, that's the kind of guy he, he could end up being. Awesome. Awesome. Let us move on to our next segment, our favorite segment. It's called Fix the Franchise. And this time, literally this time last week, this team was not going to get mentioned on the FO Draft live stream because they did not have a first round pick. And then all hell broke loose in the real world. And this week's Fix the Franchise is the Seattle Seahawks. Suddenly back in the first round, suddenly without a quarterback, suddenly rebuilding suddenly on the clock early in the draft. And I kind of threw some needs out there. I think the first need there is quarterback. I don't think that surprises anyone. And uh, I'm a Geno Smith stan, so I don't know that I agree <laughs> with you, but I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm, I'm glad you you didn't say I'm a Drew Locke stan because I don't think that's even – that's like That would have been real grounds for concern. Geno yeah, Smith right. I could take. <laughs> right, right. I, I've encountered Geno Smith stands, and I get it. Drew Locke fan club has – the Drew Hive is gone. I don't blame um, him for getting – I mean, I, I can't blame him for getting him back as part of the uh, 
yeah. You know, if that's if that's what it takes to get it done, just yeah. Right. <laughs> right. They got Noah Fant and Shelby Harris and another guy. Yeah. Right. Um, linebacker. I put defensive back. I know they re-signed some guys here. I had safety on there a couple days ago. Just need and offensive line is a perennial need for the Seahawks and every other team. And uh, I understand why Doug Farrar was unavailable to be a guest today. <laughs> uh, Doug is busy standing for Gardner Minshew all over the internet today. So uh, that's right. Yeah. So keep Doug and his interesting choices and quarterbacks in your in, in, in your thoughts and prayers. We're going to have some interesting choices for the Seahawks uh, uh, in a moment because we were all asked to do a three round mock draft for the Seattle Seahawks to try and do something with them. And I'm going to start with Chad's mock draft because i think it's full of surprises and excitement is it and i, I believe <laughs> so chad matt corral oh, number nine overall help me help me well um you know word on the street is that they like matt corral as a as a quarterback so uh you know look if they're <laughs> looking for a guy that can look if they're looking for a guy with some athleticism that can unload the ball quickly and operate an offense, I could see why they would like him. I, I do. And he's got a little bit of that, um, a little bit of swag to him. I, would I pick him that high? Probably not, but we're not, you know, Seattle has made many picks over the years that I would not make. So this is, this is one of those that I think will be very interesting to see if they pull the trigger on this early. You can't trade Russell Wilson and then not get the quarterback in the top 10. You, you can't, uh, you can't do that. And, um, you know, the Sean Watson, he's out the door. 49ers aren't trading Garoppolo to in the division, you know, I, the, the Jameis Winston, I don't think is even in the conversation. So they got to get a quarterback. So it's going to be corral or they're going to have to trade up to get one. And I, I wouldn't put that past Seattle either. If they love Kenny Pickett, for example, and they think he's the kind of guy that they want, a guy that can operate the offense, you know, get the ball out. If they like him, I would not be surprised if they give up some of the picks that they got for Russell Wilson to go up and get a guy like Kenny Pickett because they, you know, ownership is going to be like, okay, we'll sign off on this, but you guys got to get it done. You got you to show me that there's something here. So if it's not Corral, they got it. They got to get somebody early. So I, I, first thing, when I saw you put this in the, in the, group chat this is not based on you're hearing a lot of corral is going to go that high in nfl circles this is like based on the logic that this is a fit for the the seahawks and a need for right right and you know this this year's quarterback class is so weird because you know even more than usual people are you know putting these guys down as not being able to play in the nfl and that that happens every year like Justin Herbert was put in 20th in mock drafts after the comp. I mean, every year people love to hate quarterbacks on uh, this year. is even so, so a guy like Matt Corral wouldn't surprise me if he ended up going late first round, early second round. And a lot of these guys are in that situation, but I think in the end teams will say, we got to have a guy and we got to have a quarterback on a rookie contract. If we're not going to get the Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, if we don't have those guys, then we got to do that. So that's, that's, that's why I think Corral is in play here. Right. And I I mean, I love the logic of taking quarterback at nine because you're right. When you trade up into that spot, like that's what you have to be doing. Right. Unless you're just punting on the year, which is probably not going to happen. I feel like they've done too many other things that suggest they're not doing that. Um, I just if it's Corral, good luck, Seattle fans. I'm sorry. (laughs) And, you know, the other the other thing is quarterbacks are rarely drafted in the order in which their careers turn out. Right. Right. So, um, you know, like, for example, if if they were wanting Malik Willis, why would they have traded Russell Wilson? I mean, like, there's some guys that mm-hmm. you can see. I can see why they would take a guy that they think they can just get the ball out quickly or throw it away or run and not, you know, uh, if they want the guy just to run there. That's why I think Kenny – they probably like Kenny Pickett too, but they're not right. going to get him at nine. So, you know, again, it wouldn't shock me if they moved up. Um, and then Sam Howell, I, I don't know where he fits, um, with these guys either. He actually, to me, he's actually very much like Russell Wilson. And so I think they're probably not going to have interest in him for that reason. Short guy, high, um, you know, gets the ball out high, even though he's pretty short, he, he can make a lot of plays downfield. That's Russell Wilson there. I can't imagine they have interest in him. 
Interesting. Interesting. Well, Corral's going to show up in mine in a moment. Going to your other, Epichetti is a little bit less controversial, I would say, at the 40th overall pick. Yeah, I mean, they need three, four rushers if they're going to make that change. Um, so it's pretty pretty obvious he's a he's a rush linebacker, um, very typical second-round guy um, in, in that sense. So really talented guy who's going to probably you know be very productive for them in that role. Um, I don't think he's going to go in the first round. You never know. But I, I, I think he's a good second-round fit for a team. Right. Now, Tyler Smith – Left tackle for Tulsa. Do you project him there, or he could he could play anywhere on the line? He's so raw. I you know I think a lot of teams will be scared of him, but Seattle is not scared of taking guys like this. So I mean, I could really see them taking him in the in the second round and trying to develop him, um, and, and just looking at his raw tools and say, okay, we can play him at guard, we can play him at tackle. They've done this many times over the years with different guys from. Uh, you know, James Carpenter to, you know, name, name the Seahawks pick over the last 10 years. Right. Uh, and, and he's one, a perfect example of one of these guys. They're a little too unafraid to do this over the last eight, nine, 10 years. I know, I know, but you right. know, but they probably will again. <laughs> That's right. And he's, you know, he's got a lot of talent. I mean, he's, the potential's really there with him, um, but it, he needs a lot of work. So we'll see how that turns out in the end. By the way, I grabbed Tyler Smith's bio off of Tulsa very quick. Tulsa has wonderful bios for the players. Uh, just so everyone knows that uh, his uh, favorite movie is Avengers Endgame. Um, his favorite sports movie is Friday Night Lights. And here's my favorite. One person he would most like to meet, dead or alive, would be Hannibal Barca, the Carthaginian general considered to be one of the greatest military commanders in world history, born in 247 B.C., so this young man wants to meet Hannibal Barca. He could meet Pete Carroll. Yeah, right. Hannibal that Barca, seems more reasonable. <laughs> yeah, a reasonable facsimile, facsimile of the great Hannibal. I like, by the way, Tulsa made sure they explained who Hannibal Barca was. I guess yeah. they thought we meant Hannibal from Silence of the Lambs or exactly. from the A-Team. So we got a good explanation there. Uh, and tell me a little bit about Jalen Armour Davis. Yeah, he's a, a, a talented uh, Alabama corner who got hurt this year. So he's a little bit under the radar, but he tested very well. He plays the ball really well. He's got the size. I think I think he would be a very good corner. You know, re-signing Sidney Jones I don't think has any impact on this. Uh, they need depth at that spot. And I think Armour Davis is a guy that if he's still available early in the third, it would be a really good uh, pickup for somebody. Grab a defensive back. Grab a cornerback. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. All right. So you went with Matt Corral. We're going over to Derek. Derek has a quarterback at number nine, and his choice may surprise you, viewers and listeners. Teased a little bit with the opener, but I, I went with Desmond Ritter. Um, I just – I think he's the best quarterback in the class, and I think he's probably going to go later than pick nine unless Seattle takes him. Um but I think he's probably the best quarterback in the class. They need a quarterback and he's very, very different from Russell Wilson, which I think is actually kind of why it makes a lot of sense. He's definitely a guy who's going to play in structure. He's going to stay in the pocket. The ball's going to be out on time. Um, all that, all that jazz. So he's like, I feel like the fact that he's the anti Russ is actually why this makes a lot of sense to me. And he's anti Russ in terms of like his play style, because it is a pretty structured style, but he is the pro Russ in terms of you come in getting somebody who's very game ready, which is what Russ yep. was 10 years ago. And, can, and and you know is going to seize the reins without too much trouble. Exactly. Four years of experience. It's a legit offense. Like, they run a lot of NFL concepts, so I don't think that's going to be a problem for him. Um, like I said, like, you see he's very comfortable in the pocket progressing. Like, uh, you know, like you said, he's going to be able to come in and start, I think, day one pretty comfortably. Right. Uh, do you have other quarterbacks being off the board at this point, Derek? Or is it just like this is the this or this is the guy? I assume Willis will be gone. Um, also, like kind of Chad mentioned earlier, I feel like because Willis is kind of in the Wilson, like they they have a lot of overlap in their traits. Like maybe they just don't even want a guy like Willis because it's so similar. Um, but I think Willis is probably off the board. Maybe the Panthers will do something insane and take Pickett, but I feel like um, Willis is the only one I would think for sure is gone at this point. I personally, by the way, still think that that uh, Deshaun is going to be in Carolina. I've kind of written them out. Okay, of the yeah. okay. We'll see. We will see in the next, I don't know, 10 minutes or uh, 36 hours, but we'll know. Before we continue, I want to get to Jim's question uh, because it kind of goes back to what Chad was saying, too. With their needs, if the Seahawks are targeting Corral, wouldn't they be well served to trade down into the 20-ish range? 
thoughts? Well, you can't, I mean, if you're looking for a quarterback, you can't trade down and assume a quarterback's going to be there. I mean, you can't do that. That, yeah. that doesn't happen. Um, if you're willing to take one of three or four quarterbacks, then maybe that's the case, but you, you can't trade backwards. If it, the one thing that could happen is they have those two late, you know, those two early second round picks now. So they could trade up into the bottom of the, the first right. round to get a guy who's available late if, if that's what happens. But honestly, like, you know, like I said, you just traded away your franchise. I would have a hard time believing they're going to take like, you know, a mod sauce Gardner or, you know, a guy like that and ignore the quarterback position uh, in, in their, in their case. I don't pretty much, I don't listen to anybody who says quarterback, these quarterback can't play because mm-hmm. I've seen year after year, after year, after year, that people say that's kind of stuff. And then they end up being just fine. Mac Jones isn't a first round pick. He is a first round pick and he did. All right. So you need the quarterback. And so I don't, you can't really assume that anybody's going to be there if you trade backwards. All right. Moving back to your picks here. Uh, Leo Chanel, if I'm pronouncing that right now, this is a big inside linebacker with like a sort of a perpendicular line of scrimmage go game. Uh, if I nailed him correctly, Dark. I mean, pretty much. He's kind of in the the high tower ish mold. I think he tested better than it seemed like he was going to, just for a guy that size. I mean, he's like almost two sixty. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's like a really good downhill thumper. Um, like he he just comes downhill with a lot of confidence. You know, he's not a guy who's afraid to go mix it up, scrap it up. Um, he takes on blocks incredibly well. I think he's probably the best at that in the entire class, truthfully, um, in terms of just like deconstructing blocks, knowing how to do it in certain situations, whether you need to backdoor, take it on, half man, whatever. He's really, really, really good about all that stuff. Um, and then honestly, I'm not entirely sure he's going to have like the full athletic toolkit to be like a great coverage linebacker but he's actually really really smart in his own coverage he understands like you know what kind of angles he needs to be taking what the what windows are behind him all that jazz so he might not be able to you know run with everyone but I think the fact that he's going to be really smart in zone coverage has all the run defense skills like he's not going to be peak Bobby Wagner but I feel like you can kind of fit him into that mold and he'll be he'll be he'll be good to go that's why I was saying like a Bobby Wagner surrogate a little worried about a guy who's not necessarily great in coverage going to the Seahawks at linebacker. (laughs) Like I said, he, he doesn't have the speed to, to to play man to man, but I think if they do a lot of their zone zone match stuff, I think he'll probably be just fine. Honestly. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what teams, because his workout was phenomenal. You know, all of his different uh, tests were that he doesn't necessarily play to that in in all cases, but but he's a Wisconsin guy. I'm here in Madison uh, and, you know, very smart guy. He, to me, like he sticks with the Patriots. Like I just think he's a Patriots guy. So I have him just going a little bit lower in the second, but it wouldn't shock me if, if New England went up and got him much like they did Hightower, you know, back in the day. So um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good fit. He's a really good player. Um, He's going to be a, and you know, he doesn't, the one thing teams are going to look at, he's got 31 in charms, which is not great um, length for, for any, you know, any kind of player really, but uh, you know, Micah Parsons didn't have much more length either. So and uh, Chanel can get after a quarterback. So yeah, I, I yeah. think some of that will be made up uh, for that in other ways, but he's a really good player. I think of him more as like the interior gap blitzer than somebody you're going to stick yes. on the edge that often. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and um, Purdue uh, uh, athletic director, Todd Singer does point out that uh, Chanel was the best player on the field when Wisconsin beat Purdue yeah. last year. So that says something coming from our uh, resident Boilermaker expert here in the <laughs> chat. Um, it seems like Derek, you are drafting for for Pete Carroll. You are you are getting guys he likes here because I look at Drake Jackson as like a really big Leo, like the, the king size Leo. Is, yeah. that, is that an accurate assessment? I think he would fit in perfectly for what they've asked Carlos Dunlap to do. Actually, you know, and Dunlap's obviously an older guy. He's going to be he's going to be. I, I don't think he's out the door this year, but he's going to be pretty soon. He's an older guy. Um, Drake Jackson, I, I feel like my take on him is that like if USC had a legitimate strength and conditioning program, he'd be a first round pick. But the yeah. problem is in like his <laughs> uh, second to last season, he was actually really good at like, you know, his strength was incredible. He was really good at playing the run. Um, he was like a really heads up player. His last year comes around and he like cut down in weight and then he yeah, became kind of more of a speed him. Ben guy. They asked him to. Yeah. And but so then like, after the fact, now yeah. he's back up to 270. So right. it's like, well, I don't even know what to do with him. But like right. athletically, he's a really good player and he's like smart, but it's like, 
I almost don't know what he's supposed to be because they yeah, just made I, him I, like you're five right, different you're things. Exactly right about that. I think I think he there's a few guys that I like putting in the first round. That I think might end up there, and he's one of them. But mm-hmm. like you're right. I mean, teams may not know what to do with him. But yeah, he's not like six five, which I don't you know. Maybe P. Carroll wouldn't like that, but in terms of Leo, but, but they've gotten shorter guys before. I'm just kidding about that. But, but yeah, no, I, I exactly. Right. I, I have a hard time. I have a hard time um, putting USC's to peak guys to Pete Carroll mock drafts. He never, never seems to pick them, even though you always want to put them <laughs> right. He never seems mm-hmm. to pick them. So, uh, but I like Drake Jackson a lot. You're right though. He's a, it's a little, it's a weird um, study on him. Yeah. It's been a few years since we really thought, Oh yeah. Pete Carroll, the, the USC thing. That's what, I'm old. What can I say? You're old. You're old. Um, And uh, we're getting closer to two o'clock here. So Luke Fortner is at a center. Uh, Yeah, uh, I think they just, I mean, they could use line help just about anywhere. But I think, you know, he's a guy who, um, not the strongest, um, but I think he's like really quick. He's really smart. Um, I think he just understands how to play the position really well. He had like a better day against the Georgia guys than, you know, a typical center should, which is like as best a thing as you can say against that front. The fact that he didn't just get killed every play is pretty impressive. So um, I think by the time the third round rolls around, probably a good, good time to take him. Awesome. Excellent. Well, okay. Move quickly to my picks. And I keep feeling attacked. I feel attacked on this, uh, uh, on this podcast. Cause, uh, cause, cause Chad said, uh, they're not going to go out and get sauce Gardner right away and punt on the quarterback. I feel as though they're going to punt on the quarterback this year. I feel like I'm alone in that where they're coming in and saying, yeah, the whole idea is this is a rebuild. We got to restock elsewhere. Let's get some of our other needs. So putting sauce Gardner out there again, I mean, is this the Richard Sherman surrogate? It kind of is. Like we said earlier, Sidney Jones is back. Quadri Diggs is back. The secondary needs help. It needs help for years. They've got a very specific style of pay, specific defensive structure there. I personally get the impression Sauce Gardner would fit in that structure, and I don't think that's a terrible reach at the ninth overall pick. No, I mean I think it would be. Yeah, I think it's perfect. It would feel a lot like what the the Broncos did last offseason with taking Sertan instead of you know uh, Fields, or I guess they could also take Jones. It feels very much like that if they were to take Sauce, where it's like, yeah, this is an awesome player. It fits exactly what you'd want to do. You also probably should have taken a quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> right by the way joey sucks did ask uh, based on what uh derek's choice there wouldn't fortner just get killed by donald everybody I mean, but who doesn't like <laughs> i feel yeah. like that's an unfair barometer no but i it's a fair it's a fair point and that's something like guys like tyler lindenbaum and, and cam jurgen some of these mm-hmm. undersized centers they're going to get asked that question like how are you going to deal and you want undersized guys that are quick right you would think for a guy like donald but mm-hmm. no you got to be strong too so right. yeah uh, Darnold, uh, Donald is not a guy that I, I, I wouldn't, yeah, I'd take on Sam Darnold probably, but Aaron Donald, I probably would not, would not take on, uh, at all. <laughs> and that's it. Maybe Linderbaum, if that, if that's your thought, that's the center that you would take and maybe you take him ninth overall, maybe he lands there now because like the giants and some other teams have addressed it, but, uh, uh, yeah, you, you can't go Well, in the third round, we're going to get a guy who's going to, you know, stymie Aaron Donald. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Speaking of interior line, adding just a big, huge dude, Kenyon Green. I put him in there. That's your solution to let's beef up the interior line. Um, and then right after that, I, again, I'm working with one of the commercial draft simulators to try and keep myself honest so I don't just pick guys. Oh, I'll pretend he dropped. John Dotson, um, slot specialist, speedy, speedy slot specialist uh, for Penn State, was sitting there at 41. I think it's time for the Seattle Seahawks to embrace the idea that you need a third wide receiver, whoever your quarterback is, to do the things that Percy Harvin did 12 years ago. This wasn't a a big thought for them 12 years ago. They would take guys like this and put them in the slot and do reverses and stuff. I think Dawson would be an excellent choice in that role behind DK Metcalf and um, the other guy whose name is – Completely Tyler Lockett. Lockett. Tyler Lockett, yeah, yeah. phenomenal receiver they've had for years. See, that's perfect for Tyler Lockett because nobody ever remembers that dude ever. But he's a fantastic <laughs> player. By the way, the most John forgettable nine hundred yards ever. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yes. Uh, Jahan Dotson is basically Paul Richardson, who they tried to pick in the second round. So, I mean, he's better than Paul Richardson because he catches the ball. He's phenomenal. I'm not equating them as talent. Right. But because um, Richardson was totally overdrafted, uh, yes. Dotson will be in this 40 to 55 area somewhere because his hands are too good, even though he's not very big or physical. But 
but his hands are just too good to let drop much further than that. Right. And he could do some of the things Isaiah McKenzie was doing. We, we started this talking about uh, free agency. Quietly signs a one-year $2 million contract or whatever, $4 million contract. And a guy that will just give you like three big plays a month yeah. in, in that kind of role. And that's what I could see Dotson do. You, Paul Richardson, you just short-circuited me. Though. Uh, he was very – he had injury problems throughout his career. Right. Uh, was very, very lean. Just like scary lean, and and so is Dotson. But I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm saying that it would make sense for them to pick him because they if they liked Richardson they're gonna love Dotson because he's exactly. a, he's a better player. So I was I was I wasn't attacking, not attacking. <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're all trying to pick a little bit. We're trying to fill the grocery bag for Pete Carroll here. We're getting Bobby yeah. Wagner surrogates. We're getting Richard Sherman surrogates. But you liked this kind of guy in the past, and I saw Matt Corral as a possibility. Uh, for the same reasons you did, Chad, except that the mock draft simulator I had said he was still going to be there on the third round. And and, and so, yeah, yeah, you get a guy with a lot of juice. You get a guy with some leadership potential and with a different enough game from Russell Wilson that you move on. I think in my case here, it's a hedge bet. You take a year, you see if he can like get out of this Geno, Drew Lock quagmire and demonstrate that he's the guy, which is a little bit what Russell Wilson did back in 2012. And if not, you still have all your uh, your assets for what I, what a lot of us think is a stronger draft class for quarterbacks in twenty twenty three. I I can't look. No. Yeah. We say that now, right? But right. by like ne- October, we're gonna be like, none of these guys are any good. And then by March, is like they're all third round picks. And then by April, like Bryce Young, number one. You know, this is, <laughs> this is the cycle that we go through every year. And so I, you know, I'll never say that. Just wait yeah. till next year to get your quarterback. Well. You know, yeah, we've been saying it's like free beer tomorrow. The sign at the bar, free beer tomorrow, exactly right. And next year's quarterback class is loaded. This quarterback class reminds me so much of what was it, 2013? It really does. It reminds me of 2013. Oh my god, no! Oh my god, I I can't disagree with you more. We can have another discussion about that. I can't disagree with you more. Carson Strong is Mike Glennon. Oh my god, I just but but but. In that draft, when EJ Manuel was taken in the middle of the first round, I I couldn't believe it. Uh-huh. Yeah, but this year, Kenny Pickett is legit. Okay, Sam Howell is going to be a good quarterback, I think, and I think Malik Willis is going to fall into the same trap. People are falling into the same trap with him that they fell into with Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields, all these other guys that are going to be playmakers, and they're not. They don't fit. So. I will take Malik Willis any day of the week. I think that kid is going to be a playmaker, not week one of his rookie year, but he's going to be something. And, and I and I really believe that um, in my heart of hearts. <laughs> I, I like I do like Malik Willis as that projection guy, and I do like Kenny Pickett as a come in right away guy. The yeah. rest of them are twenty thirteen. <laughs> in my opinion, but, but, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to have the last word and we're almost out of time here. And thank you for joining us, Chad. Uh, where can we find you? Um, well, the last two years, you could find me right in my apartment and that's about it. But, uh, if you're looking for my stuff, you go on NFL.com. I'll have a new mock draft out probably next week. Not after free agency kind of winds down a little bit new uh, longer mock draft. Um, and uh, that's where my stuff will be NFL.com. You can find me at Twitter uh, at Chad underscore R E U T E R and, you know, jokes and, and nonsense and occasional football stuff on there as well. Awesome. Derek, what's on tap at football outsiders for film room. I actually am uh, probably skipping it this week, just some, right. some schedule conflicts and stuff, but I will say for the following week, yes. it's going to be Malik Willis. So it's going to be from Leek Willis and you will have a mock draft on tap for us sometime not too in not too distant future. Correct. I will. I think the 21st or 22nd, something around that range where kind of like Chad, you know, once, once free agency winds down here a little bit. Yeah, right. It is. It is right around the corner. Uh, Derek is going to come in and do a mock draft after. Yes. Most of the free agents smoke is cleared so that we know, for example, hopefully by then where Deshaun Watson is. So you're not mocking Kenny Pickett to the wrong team. (laughs) Twice last year, the day we were going to put out a mock draft, there was a trade. Like right at the same time, we're going to put out the mock draft. So I had to redo the whole – that happened twice with Orlando Brown 
and yes. there was another oh the the draft pick trades that ended up being Waddle and, and those guys. So yeah, that's no mm. fun when that happens. That is brutal, and and it's like you can't not make the change. I think at Football Outsiders we could quietly say, hey Aaron, uh, uh, the server broke or something. Yeah. <laughs> NFL.com, you can't do that. You, no. you can't get away with that stuff. No. So uh, hopefully that does not happen to you. And you know, if we're still waiting on a Deshaun Watson trade when it's when you're getting close to the deadline, let us know. And maybe maybe uh, I will go on your behalf and try to get that mock draft move, Derek, so you, <laughs> so you don't pull your hair out. But uh, just a reminder, everybody listening and watching that Football Outsiders draft coverage is presented by Underdog Fantasy. And you can use the pro- promo code FO40, that's F-O-4-0, at Underdog to double your deposit up to $100. Keep your eyes peeled for the new best ball tournaments that include 2022 rookies, their new Superflex games, and your chance to deploy your knowledge from mine and Chad R- Chad Ryder, and Derek Klassen's NFL draft research and analysis. How'd I do, Chad? Excellent. Excellent. Links to Underdog Fantasy can be found in the description of this video below. But go play with us on Underdog today. On behalf of Chad Ryder, on behalf of Derek Klassen, all the folks at Football Outsiders, thank you so much for watching and listening. And tune in next week for this show. And tune in on Thursday to see me and Aaron Schatz breaking down all the chaos of free agency at Football Outsiders. Take care, everybody.